0: Well, welcome everyone. My name is Matt. If uh, this is your first time with us, I'm glad that you're here and that you have decided to to take the step into having fellowship with us. And if you're at Vincennes or Princeton, one of our campuses, I just want to say hello. Uh, Maybe you're joining us online today. Hey, why not join us in fellowship at one of our campuses at one of our times? We've just started a new service. On Sunday nights at 5 p.m. I hope we can be at it. filled with energy. And uh, man, there were there was a lot of people that showed up at 5 p.m. And maybe that's you. Maybe you want to just kind of spare yourself some of the traffic in the parking lot and some of this uh, congestion in this room and uh, maybe make a home at 5 p.m. It's a great service. Exactly the same ministry taking place from our children's ministry, junior high ministry. Um, and the same exact stuff that you'll see on Sunday morning here in this room as well. And I'm thankful that you're here as we continue our Someone series. I've already heard amazing stories about folks that have said, listen, God has put some people on my heart and I've been praying for them. And because of that, I've invited them to my home or we've gone out to lunch and I've got, you know, deeper invested with them and have kind of created a sense of urgency in my life to share the gospel with them. And uh, they've invited them into Christian fellowship or they have invited them in their home. Today we talk about telling your someone about Jesus, telling them the gospel message, the good news that we have in him. And I know for many of us, that's just like, you know, I'd I'd rather do anything else than to tell someone about Jesus because it's a little unnerving. And we feel many times that we're just unqualified and ill-equipped to do so. But let me tell you, it's really, really simple to do. And I want to encourage you today to take that next step with your someone. And because you love them, Tell them about the one that loves them, and that is Christ Jesus who can embrace us and usher us to have a relationship with God the Father. Earlier in the year, um, I was on a flight, and I sat next to this woman that was, I don't know, looked like she was about ready to go to a slumber party. I don't know. She was in her pajamas, I think. She had a pillow with her, and um, she didn't have her cell phone with her. She didn't have a book with her. She didn't have a laptop with her. And I thought, you know what? This might work out really good. She'll she'll sleep during the flight, because I don't like to talk during the flight. And I'll just read over my notes that I need to get ready for a meeting that I have that evening. And this will all go really well. And as we're about ready to taxi, that's when people get chatty. You've noticed this on planes, right? People get chatty at two times, right? When you're taking off and when you're landing, it's because we're nervous and we got to get the nervous energy out. So we start to talk. She starts to talk and I thought, you know what? No big deal. Let her talk. And uh, and then by the time we're in the air, she'll probably be done saying what she needs to say. I get back to my notes. She can get to sleeping. We'll all be good here. But that did not happen. And so as we take off, she's beginning to tell me about where she's going, where she's headed to, no big deal. Her family that she's meeting, the people that she hasn't seen in years, and the business that they're a part of, all sorts of crazy stuff. And so finally we're we're climbing out. And about the time that we're hitting our cruise altitude, okay, she hasn't taken a breath. She finally asked me the first question. She says, what is it that you do for a living? And I love this because this is the ultimate conversation killer. (laughs) And so I say, I'm a preacher, which usually... Kills the conversation. No one wants to sit next to someone con- in a confined space for three hours. Who's the preacher? That's like that's like the Mormon showing up at your door. You know, it's like that's do anything but say you're home. And so she like continues on. Like she doesn't miss a beat. She continues to talk. She hasn't taken a breath. There's no break. And so we're continuing the flight. She's continuing to talk. I'm trying to get to my notes, and no, there's there's no break in the conversation. She ta- starts talking to me about this Christian book that she's been reading and about how it's changed, changed her thoughts and ideas about who God is. And, and then it dawns on me, I know what she is about ready to do. She is going to lead me to Jesus Christ on this flight. And I thought, okay, well, let's go with this. Let's see where this goes. And uh, she starts to tell me about her story and how God intervened in her story. Now, there's a bunch of times I was like, lady, that's just not true, okay? God doesn't work that way. And you don't know, want to pull the preacher card and go, I know better, you don't. I don't know what's going on here, but you got the wrong idea who God is. But it never came, never allowed. Like, there was a moment in the conversation where I could stop and interject, even to correct or to even, you know, say anything in return. She never asked a question. And then, as we were about to descend, that, that pilot announcement comes on. You know, flight attendants, pre- please prepare the cabin for, for landing. And I thought, okay, th- this will be the perfect moment for me to say, hey, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing it with me. I just need 15 minutes to myself, either that or this plane needs to crash, which either one comes first, okay? <laughs> I thought the longer she talks, the more I don't want to be in faith. I don't think, not with her. And, uh, I, I, and so finally we land and we're taxiing to the gate and she knows we're about to have to wrap this up. So she says to me, here's what she says to me. So what do you think? And in my mind, I'm like, think what? I don't even know what to think right now. I have no idea what I'm supposed to tell you. And I said, well, I think you got a good story. I think that's a good story. She says, no, What do you, do you think that you will give your life to Jesus? <laughs> and I said, I said, I already have. I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And that's when she looked at me with like, like she peered in my soul, okay? And she looked at me as though she was going to kill me. And she says, here's what she says. You said you were a teacher. <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. I, I, I said that I was a preacher. She said, then why did you tell me you're a teacher? <laughs> I don't know. You can't win, right? You just can't. You just can't win. And, and it probably didn't matter even if I corrected her numerous times. She wasn't, listen, she wasn't listening to begin with. And, and what I, I mean, I really did appreciate her boldness as she came out and just started telling me her story. Even as nervous as it was, she told me her story about how Christ intervened in her life. But I did not appreciate her carelessness. That she did not listen to really what I had to say. She was not intent on having a conversation or a dialogue. It just became this monologue of conversation that she just had to get off of her chest for whatever reasons. Friends, let me tell you how the Bible explains us sharing and telling Jesus to someone. These two things. We are to be good messengers with a good message. We're to be, people are to look and say, I'm so thankful for you and I'm so thankful for the message that you brought. Romans chapter 10, I think it's on the screen as well. Verses 13 and 15. Here's what the apostle Paul says about bringing Jesus to somebody, telling Jesus to your someone. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So listen, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Christ Jesus can save anyone regardless of their position or status or how deep into sin they might be. Verse 14, how can they call on him though to save them unless they believe in him? So it's gonna take their active part to believe in what Jesus has done for them. But I love how Paul marches along and he says, and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Oh, That makes sense. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's a challenge today, to tell someone in your life about Jesus Christ. Verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is what the scripture says. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And we share Jesus with someone. Two things should come to their mind first and foremost. That was great news. And you are a good messenger. Those should be the two things. You want to know why? Because the message of Jesus brings hope to hopeless people. That's good news. It brings life to those who think that there is no more life to live. That's good news. It brings forgiveness to those that are wrought and wrenched with guilt. That's good news. It brings grace to those who believe that God could never forgive them, nor would God ever embrace them because of the lifestyle they're living. That's good news. It brings peace to those that are completely filled with anxiety, that God has your todays and your tomorrows. That's good news. It brings victory to those who think that life is only about defeat because life has beat them up so badly. That is good news. Most importantly, the message of Jesus connects us to God, who absolutely is madly in love with us. Friends, that is all good news. And that good news needs to correspond with being a good messenger. So Jesus gave us this command early on in the scriptures. um, he said, anyone who calls themselves disciples, here's what you need to do. Mark 16:15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. There is so much packed in that little sentence. Jesus, first off, primarily he says, go and preach the gospel. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. Now let's just stop right there because it could be, maybe, that you don't know truly what the good news is, what the gospel really is. And so let me simplify it for you, kind of like the gospel for idiots, though you're not an idiot. I am. I needed to hear this for myself. God is holy. We are not holy. Jesus Christ came so that we could be with a holy God. God is holy. We are not holy. But we can be through Jesus Christ. And God sent his only son so that we could be connected with him. Because of our sins, we could never be connected. 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul puts it to us like this as he abbreviates the gospel. He says, for God made Christ... Who never sinned. Don't you love that? He, God has made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Go back to Mark 16, 15 for a moment. So, first, the primary thing Jesus says is share the gospel, proclaim the good news about what God has done for us. He sent us Jesus so that we be connected with him because he is holy. We are not Jesus Christ when we come through Jesus allows us to have a relationship with God, and that's what he's always wanted. But second, we're to go to all the world, wherever that is, wherever your someone is. Third, we're to go to all creation. Now, if that doesn't identify your someone, I don't know what verbiage would. All creation, every creature, you're someone might be some kind of creature. And God says, listen, it doesn't matter how you identify them. As long, you need to go to all creation and you need to tell them, anyone with a soul, about the good news. And so I love what Jesus does in this one sentence. Here's what he says. There are no exceptions. There are no clauses. There are no exemptions. There are no excuses. You're to proclaim the good news. Even there, because some of you are like, there? Yeah, even there. And even them, them, even them, all creation, both. And so let me summarize it like this. The good news of Jesus is for everyone, even your someone. Some of you just need to hear that because you're like, well, I'll just, it just will be for everyone. I'll just let my light shine. Someone in the darkness will notice. Probably not. Because your good deeds look a lot like the other person's good deeds the only difference is you've recognized that your good deeds don't get you to heaven, only Jesus Christ does. And someone needs to hear that too, because they're trying to earn their way to heaven. Like maybe one time you were trying to earn your way to heaven, and it doesn't matter how good you are, you'll never be good enough, because we are not holy, God is, and we need Jesus to take on our sins so that we can have a relationship with God. So the good news is, the gospel's for everyone, including your someone. And as day we talk, I don't want you to think about everyone, I want you to think about Your someone. And I want you to be reminded that that the gospel is not a monologue like the lady on the plane thought it was. It's a dialogue. There's conversation. And the main subject matter is Jesus Christ. And I hope this series, as we focused in on someone, you get prepared to tell that someone about Jesus. Because this is the challenge of the day. To tell someone about Jesus in such a way that they're grateful for you and the good news that they've shared for them. Do you see the two parts there? So they're not saying, hey, that was, a good, so, that was a good story, but a bad messenger. No, it's a good news with a good messenger. Both go hand in hand. You know, over the past few weeks, we've challenged you with these kind of intentional actions here. Pray for someone, eat with someone, invite someone, today's tell someone, next week's walk with someone, Friends, these aren't like checklist kinds of things. And so get it out of your head that you're like, well, I'll just check through all five. I'll get this off of my back. This is a continual plan of discipleship as a pattern that Jesus has positioned us for. It's relational discipleship. It's relational evangelism. And as I say that word evangelism, some of you are like squirm already. You're like, so I have to learn a method? I have to memorize things? No, not at all. All you have to do is tell someone about what God has done for us. Let's just start there. So here's where this comes down to. Tell someone what God has done for you, or for us, rather. That's, that's information. Listen, this is the part I think that most of us get queasy by because we're like, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have a degree in Bible. I don't know. I don't know really what to, to say here. Like, I, you just simplified it so well, preacher. I'll just bring him into church, and you can tell him, you know? But this is where you personally tell them what God has done for us, for the world, for the collective world, And I don't want you to get anxious about this. And I don't want you to dismiss this part of it either because the information is needed. You have God's Holy Spirit in you, you who are believers. And some of you, you you don't know how to say the right things. You need to ask God to speak through you like the apostles did before us. They asked God to work within them so that their words wouldn't be their words, they'd be the words of God. You just need to pray that prayer. And secondarily, the good news of Jesus isn't hard to explain at all. So don't complicate something that is very, very simple. Let me explain it to you like this, as simple as I can. God made this world. We broke this world. Jesus has fixed this world. But can I give you a better definition of the gospel, which I think is more accurate and better for those that are listening, need to hear? Here's what it is. I am loved and accepted by God. Therefore, I will live for God. I am loved and accepted by God. Therefore, I'll live for God. Now, some of you are like, you know, you're, hard, you're hardcore. You're old school. You're like, where's hell in that? Why, why, why are we not telling them about the punishment for our sins? Why, why wouldn't we not tell them that if they reject God, that there is an eternal damnation along with that? And I know there's some churches, there's, there's preachers, there's, there's Christian communities that would say that any time the gospel's presented, you gotta give them the bad news too. But never in the scriptures does it say, preach the bad news. Just preach the good news. You wanna know why? Because people wanna hear good news. They're tired of bad news. And is there an aside to that where there is bad news? You better believe there's a side to the gospel where there's bad news. That if they don't accept the good news, there can be bad news. But it doesn't need to be preached of turn or burn. I mean, there are Christian preachers out there that would believe that. But you know, I look at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is what chronicles the history of the early church, the movement of the early church. Tens of thousands of people come to faith because of the positioning and and the preaching of the apostles. And never once in any of their sermons do they mention eternal damnation. Do they mention that dangerous place called hell? They never mention that. All they mention is what God has done through Jesus Christ to rescue and to save sinful people like us. That's it. And they, they recognize that if they proclaim Jesus Christ as the one that has shown grace to them and God who loves them, that will draw more bees to the honey than it will flies to the, well, you know. You know it's no different than when I was a kid, my dad would ask me to do something and I wouldn't do it. And he'd get angry. And he'd say, you do it or else. Now, I never knew what the or else was, but I didn't want to experience the or else. And so I got off my bottom and I did whatever it is he's asking me to do, not out of love, out of fear of punishment. It's a scare tactic. Parents, you've used this before, that scare tactic. But how different is it when my dad, which was more times than not, would use his compassion and his love to say, would you please do this? And out of his compassion and love, I would respond to his love and his compassion and I would gladly do what it was he was asking me to do even at times when I didn't want to do it because he loved me first, I wanted to show him love in return. That's the gospel. And that's how it should be proclaimed. And while there is a dangerous place called hell, the good news needs to be there's also a place called heaven. And we don't want you to miss out on it. And God has established his son Jesus so that you could have a way When you couldn't make a way to meet with God himself. The good news is, the good news is God loves you. God has accepted you. And through Jesus Christ, you can find grace in him to have forgiveness of sins. And even though you're not holy, because Jesus is, you can meet with God. That's the gospel. The gospel centers on a person, Jesus, who has paid the price that you couldn't pay. So that you could have a personal relationship with God. And friends, I know that that moment's gonna come for you when it's, you're gonna have the boldness, the courage, the right setting to, to tell someone about Jesus. Can I give you some idea of what needs to be said? Okay, number one, what needs to be said is you need to tell someone about God's plan. Here's God's plan. He doesn't want anyone to perish but have everlasting life. That's John three sixteen stuff. God has a plan. He doesn't want anyone to perish but have eternal life. But you also need to tell them about our problem. What's our problem? We've got a sin problem. Sin has fractured this relationship. So God has a plan. We've brought in a problem. You need to tell someone about God's provisions. God provided us a savior to solve our problem, our sin problem. Then you need to tell someone about the promise that we have in Jesus, that anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved. That's it. God's plan, our problem, God's provision, and God's promise. That doesn't sound very hard, does it? Maybe you're like, well, I, I, I don't know. I can't really wrap my head around this. Okay, let me give you some more ideas. Let me give you an idea on what needs to be shared as well. Here's another idea. It's just in the, the uh, acronym of gospel, the, the word gospel. God created us to be with him, Genesis. Our sins separated us from God. Genesis 3, the fall of man. We decided rebellion. We thought we knew better than what God's ways were. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. That is huge because most people believe that they're good enough. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Jesus paid, we didn't. He picked up the tab. Everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life. Everyone. Life with Jesus starts now and it lasts forever. These kinds of things need to be said in the informational part about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And some of you are like, well, okay, I just, if I can just memorize that, I'd be all good. If I can turn that kind of into a monologue, no, no, that's not the idea. The idea is not just like blather information on people. The idea is to have a conversation, a dialogue about who Christ Jesus is. But these kinds of things need to come up about the reason why this is good news. We have a problem, and God has brought us a solution, and He is Jesus Christ. You need to you need to answer questions the best you can. You need to allow you need to walk with doubt through some of their. Questionings and doubts, you need to listen intently and be patient as they work their faith out, maybe with fear and trembling. But listen, you don't need some kind of brilliant Bible education to get this done. The Apostle Paul, here's what he says. I love this. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Who did he rely on to preach the good news of Jesus? The Spirit's power. Friends, so many of you are embarrassed by this. You're apprehensive by this. You're, you're turned off by this. You're frightened by this because you're resting in your own strength of knowledge. You're resting in your own power rather than falling back on the power of God, which is at work within you. And Paul says, I rested on God's power, not my own wisdom, not my own verbiage, not my good stories, just God's power. And then that's so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Listen, not with wise or persuasive words. That's not how it has to be. Just simply tell others what God has done for us. And I know that's information, but I bet you can accomplish that information piece in about two minutes. Two minutes, you don't need to make it too long. About two minutes. But I think a part of telling your someone about Jesus is you need to tell someone about what God's done in you. This is simple stuff. This is transformation. While there's information, there's transformation. And you say, here's how God's transformed my life. Listen, you can't get it wrong here. This is your story. Just don't over embellish it. Don't lie about it. Don't don't make your your conversion, uh, you know, just this grandiose story when it's just really plain. What transformation has God made in your life? And whatever you do, don't don't underestimate the power of your story about how God's using you and what he's doing in your life. Because I, I have the temptation to do that. Man, I get envious of some people's story how they have radically been changed for Jesus Christ. I mean, radical transformation. There's some of you in this room I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm jealous of your story because you could stand up here and you could give a testimony about how you were deep into drugs or some kind of neglectful attitude towards life or friends or family and you blew everyone off or maybe you were stealing or corrupt to get your next fix or because that was the livelihood that you're invested in and you've been in and out of jail, in and out of rehab. I mean, you have gone the ups and downs of life and you've experienced every bad and good thing life has had to experience And yet in the middle of all that, you recognize the darkness of your depravity and you came to the light of Jesus Christ. And you have this incredible testimony, how how you're completely in the dark of sin and Christ illuminated your life and everything changed. And now it's not just a testimony, your lifestyle is actually living out your words. And so there is a, a, a talk and a walk that go together. And I'm like, yeah, you're honoring God now. You've been radically transformed, but that ain't my story. Like that's, is that, I don't know actually a lot of Christians whose story that is, but I always want to sensationalize my story. Like all of a sudden, you know, I was on drugs for 15 years. You know, I don't know. I was never on drugs, never on drugs. No, I was, I was at a convention teaching a bunch of students, preaching to a bunch of students. And I was telling them how I came to Christ. And I thought, this is not going to go over well because my story is so vanilla. Everybody wants Rocky Road, but this is vanilla. And so I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I don't care. And so I tell them, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad, they, they were faithful men and fa- the faithful woman a faithful man of Christ in the home, just as they were outside of the home. There was, there was really no hypocrisy about them. They loved God. They loved their children. They were never mistreated. I was never caught up in, in drug use or criminal activity. Listen, I've done my fair share of stupid things. You know, how people say you can't fix stupid. You can, you can. I'm living proof. You can fix stupid So I'm telling these students that I've always been in the church. My testimony is my parents raised me in church. I've always been around church. I've always known the stories of the Bible. I've always knew who Christ Jesus was. And then one day it just kind of hit me. One day in my adolescence, I just recognized that I was trying to be good enough for God to love me. And I was already loved even though I wasn't good enough. And that's what dawned on me. That it doesn't matter how good you are, you're never good enough. And you'll never earn God's favor by doing good things. You earn God's favor by by just receiving Jesus because he already loves you. But but you need Jesus. And I leaned hard on Jesus. And my faith became more dependent about Jesus than it did in myself and my self-righteousness. And I told that story and I finished. I had a line of students. I had a line of students after that message who came up to me and said, I needed to hear that. Because my story is vanilla. And I needed to hear that good deeds don't get us into heaven. I needed to hear that only Christ Jesus saves. I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. Friends, don't ever underestimate the power of your story. And it may not be radical transformation. It may be vanilla like mine, but God wants to use you and he wants to use your story because it's a story of transformation and that it doesn't have to be a difficult story. John chapter nine is a story about Jesus who miraculously heals a man who'd been blind since birth. The whole town knows about this blind guy. He has sat at the town gates begging and they all knew that he was blind since the time of birth. They knew he couldn't see. Jesus comes in, heals his eyes, gives him sight. And this blind man finally has sight for the first time. Everybody knows now, this is the guy that once was blind, but now can see. And they know Jesus did it. But there are still some that discredited the miracle of Jesus, believe it or not. And there were some religious leaders that were trying to dig up some dirt on Jesus. And so they go and they interview they interview the guy who is blind, but now has sight and they interrogate him and they're trying to find something bad about Jesus, digging up dirt on Jesus. And this guy doesn't give him any kind of dirt. Then they bring him in for a second interview and they interrogate him again. And the guy finally just says, listen, enough of this. I don't totally know who Jesus is. Like I know that much about Jesus. I know very little about Jesus, but here's my story. You ready for a story? I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. That's all I know. Is I had an encounter with Jesus, and I've been changed by Jesus. I've been blind, but now I see, do I know the theological terms for Jesus? No. Do I know the Old Testament? Not really. Do I know much about what God's going to do for me in promises of heaven? No, I don't know that. I know that I met Jesus. I was blind. and I, How simple of a story is that? And all of us have that kind of a story. And people need to hear that transformation that God's done in your life. You know, the beautiful thing about sharing your story is you don't need a Bible degree. You don't need deep theological knowledge. You just need to know and communicate what God has done in you. And let me give you some insight on how you can best do that. Because again, I don't want you to be like that woman on the plane. Number one, be prayerful. Because right now, God's prompting you to tell your someone. I guarantee it. Be prayerful about it. Say, God, not my words, but your words. Help me make this simple and concise. Be conversational. Be conversational, would you? It's not a monologue. You're not preaching in the pulpit like I am here today. You're just having a dialogue, a conversation that centers around Jesus Christ. You listen to them. You allow them to have doubts. You allow them to have concerns. And would you allow yourself not to have all the answers? Would you allow yourself not to have all the answers? You don't need to go to gotquestions.com. You don't need to go to Bible Gateway and look up the answer. Just wrestle with some things and say, listen, I just, here's the best words you can say to a non-believer. I don't know. Why would you think you would know everything there is to know about a God that is bigger than this universe? That's a limited God. And it's okay from time to time to say, I just don't know, I was blind, but now I see. Be authentic. Some of you have some things in your past that maybe you want to closet. That could be the very thing that if you were to expose and be vulnerable about, that they say, I've been dealing with that personally too. And so you need to be authentic. Be patient. Some of you are like, I'm gonna go have coffee with my someone tomorrow and I'm gonna bring them to Jesus. (laughs) Okay, it's probably not going to happen after a cup of coffee. It's going to take some time. It may be a few weeks. It could be even a few years. But you, please be patient. And here's the last part. Be simple about this. Don't complicate the gospel. It's not complicated. I mean, just remember the simple adage. God made it. We broke it. Christ Jesus fixed it. You can't be wrong with this, guys. The information stuff, simple. The transformation, even easier. Don't ever underestimate the power of what God has been doing in your life. Even as vanilla as you think it is, God has used you and positions you to be the right somebody for your someone. Here's the last part. Tell someone about what God can do in them. So we have information. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about and inform you of what God has done for us. I'm gonna tell you about the transformation, what God's done in me. But I need to tell you what God can do in you. And this is the application. You need to get them hopeful about what God can do in them. And what I found out about most believers, they don't really they don't really think that God can do anything in them because they haven't really either given it thought or sometimes they've been there, done that, they've tried faith, so to speak, and God didn't do any kind of radical thing in them when they needed it the most. I find out most people come to church when they need something from God and when God doesn't deliver, they get angry about it. But I love how the apostle Paul, he writes to the Christians and he says in the book of Ephesus, hey, you're to have a stand-up life and a bow-down culture. And uh, he begins to unpack the mind of an unbeliever. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 18, I, I know that you could take this one, you could take this one little piece of scripture and you could probably do three months of preaching and teaching on it. It is packed with so much information about how man closes their heart to God. And Paul says, I just want you to know why some people will reject the invitation as you tell them about Jesus. Here's how he starts. He says, They are darkened in their understanding. They're darkened in their understanding and, and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, I would love to really sit here and unpack that, but let me just briefly take a swing at it and see where it lands. They are darkened. That word darkened has to do with they've lost their imagination about what God can do in their life. So you know, because you're believers, that God can make a way when there is no way, that God can move mountains, that faith as small as a mustard seed can do this, this, and forevermore. And you know the promises of God. And You know the grandness of our God. He's a God that overcomes and defeats giants. You know that. But somewhere in the lostness of your someone, they have lost the imagination about what you have taken for granted, about what our powerful God can do in their life. And in their darkness of their understanding, they they no longer understand who God is. As as a matter of fact, now, they have concluded that God can't do much and now they've separated their life from God. Meaning, that might be good for you, but it hasn't been good for me. And it won't be good for me. And from that separation, they've become ignorant. So now they've gone to these misunderstandings about who God is. That's all ignorance means. I now misunderstand who God is. I just don't have all the pieces fitting right. Like I've tried to put some pieces together, but the picture doesn't look correct. And so they have a misunderstanding, a false picture of who God is now. And now because of that false picture, because they've lost their imagination what God can do. They've separated themselves from God. They've got a misunderstanding of who God is. They now have closed their heart off to God. Because they have only now viewed God through that false picture. And while that is an understanding of the mindset of those who lived in the ancient past in Ephesus who were lost. My friend, that still is a mindset of many of our someones who we need to go tell the good news to. That they are separated from God, and they have grown some kind of drawn some false image of who God is, and now they've even said He doesn't exist, or if that is who God is, I want nothing to do with Him, and they've hardened their hearts towards Him. Have you ever been in a situation where you can almost see what's going to happen before it happens? Like, you can almost predict it. Not like you're having a premonition. I'm not talking like that. I'm not talking, not talking some kind of, like, supernatural thing. I'm just like, I saw that coming. You know that statement? Like, I just saw that coming. I was driving down Highway 50, right where 50 and 41 kind of converge together. And, you know, you're getting off right there at Vincennes on the, the clover leaf. And I'm getting onto 6th Street, heading towards Lowe's. And the guy ahead of me, Mr. Genius, decides, I got a 10-foot ladder here. Let's not strap it to the top of my car. No, let's just roll down both windows you know where this is going. Hang one edge out and the other edge out and I'll just drive. Now it was all working well. It was all working well until the laws of physics caught up with him. And he had to take the cloverleaf at 25 miles an hour. And he learned about centrifugal force as that ladder gets pulled out of the windows and goes flying into the, the, the side of the road. I just wanted to say, saw that coming. Saw that coming. Obviously he didn't but I did. And if he would have asked me, is this a good idea? I would have said, no, it's a terrible idea. Because I saw it coming. Every believer could look at their someone who is lost. And we could all say the same thing. I know what's coming. Mark chapter 16, 16, Jesus tells it like this. Anyone who believes in a baptized will be saved. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. I love all the confidence in that little thing, don't you? You believe you're baptized, you will be saved. Have confidence in Christ. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. There's the good news and the bad news They're together as a mixture. And we, we could say, if you don't give your life to Christ and accept the good news, I know what's coming. The bad news. We know what's going to happen before it's going to happen. It's like the statement of Jude chapter one verse twenty three. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Verse twenty three. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Isn't that great? Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. I love what Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a phenomenal preacher in, in England. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people came to hear him preach every single Sunday. Smoked two cigars at once. That's my kind of preacher. He said, if sinners be condemned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go in there unwarned and unprayed for. So last week, I typed the word oblivious into a Google search, and this image came up. It's not photoshopped, it is very real of a volcano about ready to erupt, and golfers not heeding the warnings and staying on the course. Evidently, this guy was having the round of his life, I guess. I don't know. Hey, Larry, you think we should go? No way, man. I'm 500 and two left to play. This is the best round I've ever had. We're staying, but there's a volcano going to erupt. It doesn't matter. So wrapped up in what they're doing, they're not even aware of the dangers, the present danger that is all around them. What a picture of how we once lived without Christ. Present danger all around and yet oblivious, we will still go on with life, driving our way through it. And what a reminder of how many of our someones are living this way still, oblivious to the impending danger that's coming unless they correct course and find salvation in Jesus, but how can they unless they are sent, and how can they unless someone tells them? Today, friend, I am challenging you to stop making excuses and to start telling someone about Jesus Christ. And today, my prayer is that we can faithfully echo what the apostle Paul said: "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power; it is the power of God." that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Amen to that. you stand with me? And let's close in prayer. God, I know that there's many of us that we just get anxious when we we hear that, okay, now we're being challenged to tell someone about Jesus. And some of us now have been led to believe that, well, my faith should be personal and private. And I don't know where we got that idea, but that's not, That's not certainly anything from the scriptures. Father, that this is just simply telling our friends about the good news, telling our friends about something that that we've been blessed with. Father, may we just realize that we have something important to say. But in in our saying it, may we listen. And may it turn into a conversation and a dialogue and not an agenda. Father, may we tell them about what you've done for us. And what you've done in us. And what you can do for them. Father, may today, may every day, be filled with moments that we capture where we can tell someone about the greatest Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for him. And we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus and we say together, amen.